Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Farhad Abazov, who's the CEO of Millennial Lithium TSXV listed uh, lithium developer with assets in Argentina. Quite a significantly advanced project. You want to hear our thoughts on the conversation today, where they're at, and the company itself. You can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club where you can also find detailed company reports. You can get market commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are training videos on there. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done, just to save you a bit of time. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors on there sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now, you can sign up at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Farhad, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Matt. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. You, where are you? Dubai? I'm in Dubai today. And how's and the I've weather? I've been here for a long time now, as you know. <laughs> There's worse <laughs> like, places. There's yeah, worse places. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No complaints. The weather is, going, is getting much better. So we can go out and enjoy the weather now. See, I, I, I like that. So if you're in Dubai, but you, what you mean is it's gone from 45.50 down to a more climate 30. That's what you mean. That's right. Right. That's right. It means they're going from... Super hot to uh, English summer peak hot, you know. So, yeah. so that that's something like that. Yes, yeah, so we wish. Still okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, well, look, um, we saw a press release this week, and I want to talk to you about that. But uh, again, why don't we do our usual thing? Kick off one minute overview of the business for people new to this story, and we'll we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, yeah, sure, Matt. So. Look, just to remind all our uh, viewers, um, the ones who are not familiar with Millennial Lithium, Millennial uh, has been developing a brine project in Salta province of Argentina. This is one of the most advanced projects, um, you know, brine projects in the world now. We've gone through a feasibility study. We also received all the approvals for our environmental assessment um, um, studies. Uh, we also have a, a fiscal stability certificate with the government of Argentina signed. Um, so the project is at the stage where it's ready to go into pre-construction and then obviously into construction. Um, we have um, you know, sufficient cash to, uh, to, to do all this work now going forward. We're, we're going to be doing pilot operations. We'll talk about it momentarily. But we started a part of these uh, pilot operations almost um, 18 months ago uh, by building our evaporation ponds. They've been in operation, uh, as I said, for months now. So we, we just launched um, our uh, the pilot plant. We commissioned the pilot uh, processing plant in Salt. So the project, I would say, at this stage, at this point, is uh, you know uh, one of the most advanced with uh, one of the uh, estimated lowest cost structures um, in the industry. And it is in a very good jurisdiction. Uh, for people who are not familiar with Salt, the province of Argentina, it's one of the best mining jurisdictions not only in Argentina, but the entire region of uh, South America. Okay, we, we called you today to talk about the commissioning of the pilot plant, which, which you've announced, but it's kind of, you know, so what? You know, what should people be thinking about that? And, and I say that in the context of, you've already announced that you're in the process of raising money um, for the processing plant itself. So that's, you know, you're going after a lot of money out there in the marketplace. So why bother with this kind of interim stage at this point until you put a bit more certainty on, on the capital? Yeah, that's a good question, man. So I'll touch on the um, the pilot plan first, and then we'll talk about financing, obviously, later on um, in more detail. So the we, we've been planning to commission pilot plan uh, for quite a while. The, the, the original uh, date was in the second quarter of this year, then COVID started, and we, we decided not to take any risks because of potential supply disruptions and so forth. 
um, as you, you as we talked about it, I think in one of our uh, uh, interviews before, you know, the, the country has shut down. So we, we had a lot of issues in that regard. So a lot of uncertainties. Um, uh, the country is starting opening up, but again, the second wave hit. But despite that, we decided a few weeks back to actually go ahead with commissioning because uh, we don't know for how long this COVID situation will continue. And unfortunately for us to keep keep it, um, you know, um, in, in a in a conserved mode doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, we as you know, we have already built the plan. We've already installed all the equipment. Everything is ready to go. So that's why the decision was made, despite all these potential disruptions and ongoing uh, lockdown or shutdown in uh, Argentina, still proceed with this. Because one of the advantages we have in this project, Matt, is that our entire team, technical team, is actually based in Salta. So we don't have any problem with flying in people or you know the changing shift etc so that gives us quite a bit of a um, certainty quite a bit of um, comfort in that regard but of course we understand there could still be some issues with certain supplies uh, we've stocked up enough for now uh, to go forward for and without any issues without any disruption for the next probably three four months uh, but again you know we, we kind of getting ready for potential issues in that regard um, the, the reason we decided to actually start uh, and commission this and actually take this further um, was twofold. One is actually produce battery grade material. So we've done this on a lab, on a, on a lab scale. Um, we know that the whole process works, obviously, because the evaporation route is quite well known. It's been done in both Chile and Argentina for, for many, many years. But as you know, uh, most viewers probably know, some of them may not know, each brand chemistry is different. So you have to really calibrate your, uh, your process uh, to your brine chemistry. And our brine chemistry is different from what you have in Chile. It's different from other parts of Argentina. So again, as I said, we've done quite a bit of work that shows that this flow sheet that we've designed should work, uh, but we want to prove that it works in, in actual, in, in a plant. So that is the purpose. So we've started this process and by the end of the year, we should be able to produce battery grain material. So can I just interrupt? Yes. Sorry, two, two yeah, questions yeah, there before I forget. Um, one is how yeah. much money are you allocating to this in terms of the build of the pilot plant, first of all? Yeah, um, so this will not take up a lot of cash. Uh, so we're looking at about between now and uh, the start of uh, producing uh, production of, um, of lithium carbonate battery grade, probably around uh, $250,000-$300,000. And then once we reach three ton a month rate uh, that that will cost us about fifty to sixty thousand dollars a month. So we got about thirteen million dollars in the bank. So this will we will not be taking any significant hit because of this, uh, Matt. Okay, and the, and the second question in relation to that is you're going through a process of raising money for the processing plant. We're talking, you know, big big chunk of change there. Um, how can they have certainty around financing you without you having put stuff through the pilot plant, i.e., produced your chemical flow sheet at scale, because they need to know this thing's going to work at scale. Is that going to slow your negotiations down? No, actually, this, this should help actually uh, expedite it, because, uh, again, the, you know, the groups that we're talking to, um, you know, they're quite familiar with different processing routes in in, um, in brine uh, in, in section, in brine segment of lithium. And uh, they understand that this, generally speaking, it works, but they want to see, obviously, how it works in our case. Um, you know, we've shown them how, obviously, they're quite familiar with our flow sheet and the design of the plant, et cetera. But I think the fact that we want to actually do it before we finish financing will really remove um, a lot of questions. And I think it will mitigate a lot of risks 
um, we'll never be able to, uh, you know, show that we can produce this on a much larger scale until we actually show that we can produce three tons a month on a steady basis uh, for a few months. So that's the plan. Now, interestingly, the off-takers that we've been uh, talking to, some of them haven't asked us for any uh, samples, et cetera. They're, they, they are happy to take our lithium carbonate, uh, whether it will be bad or great or technical grade. But a um, couple um, have asked for it, and I think it's very important for us to also to uh, de-risk this aspect of, uh, of our process because uh, that will also allow us to bring in uh, significant debt capital to the project when the you know when we actually finalize our um, uh, our construction and financing package. So th that is the reason, and uh, with a little money that we'll be spending, Matt, as I just said, we can actually hit a lot of points. We can cover a lot of. Um, questions. We can address a lot of issues um, that potentially might come up down the road. So that that's that's the rationale behind uh, this um, the commission of this. Project. Okay, so it's, it's not it's not a lot of capital. It's not going to make a dent in your in your uh, cash reserves. Um, can we talk about the actual financing that you're going through at the moment? Now, how many people are you in discussion with? At what stage are you? And what precisely are the negotiations? Because there's hundred ways you can come at this, right? And there are hundreds of ways that companies can come into the company. So what are you aiming for? And I guess also what's the timing? So there's a lot of questions, but if you can help no, me understand I mean, what I, you're going through. I think I can, I can, I can cover them. Um, Matt, look, I mean, uh, I think I mentioned last time we, we engaged uh, Credit Suisse to become our uh, lead financial advisor. So this is a team out of London and, and Toronto. So they've been helping us with all these um, uh, programs, basically trying to uh, uh, put together financing package uh, as soon as possible so that we can get going with construction. So um, obviously there, there are two tracks. One is I would call it the JV slash strategic investment or strategic partnership and then the M&A. So I'll put M&A aside because it's obvious, you know, we agree on decent premium and the deal happens to announce. Uh, but in terms of actually uh, bringing in a strategic investor who would come in and help us finance this and build this project, um, we've had uh, quite uh, significant success with two large parties. Uh, they, they've advanced um, through their due diligence process, but they still completed due diligence process. We're at the stage where we're discussing terms. Um, obviously, there's no guarantee anything will happen, but we think that they're very serious. Obviously, we're quite serious. Um, they've chosen our project specifically for three reasons. One, uh, the, the cost structure, uh, because it's a brand project. Two, is the, um, um, uh, is the jurisdiction. They, they feel quite comfortable with Salta province in Argentina. And the three is actually the advanced stage of this project. There are not too many projects in the world that are so advanced, whereas they're ready to go into construction math. So those are, there are a whole bunch of other reasons. I mean, they like our technical team and so forth, but you know, the infrastructure is very good. But those three, I would say, um, uh, reasons are overriding uh, factors in their decision-making process. So. Right now, we're discussing various structures. Uh, I'll just, you know, throw a couple of ideas out there. I can't obviously talk about the specifics, but we're talking about either straightforward strategic investment where an investor comes in for a good chunk of the project, and then together we'll go and raise debt and the rest of equity and so forth. Um, and another option here is for them to come in and just strike a JV where they will be earning in into the project as they build the project. Uh, so in other words, uh, they will reach certain points um, you know, as a, in a typical kind of a mining uh, earning uh, agreement, and whereas from there on they will carry us. So there are different ideas, uh, different terms that are being discussed right now. But these are the, you know, I would say the framework or the uh, or the uh, the kind of a packages or types of um, investments that we're discussing. 
Now, obviously, you know, I would say a couple of these, you know, uh, potential investors uh, come from um, from actual from the battery chain, from the battery industry itself, and uh, they have different vision uh, visions for this uh, project. Uh, they have different approaches on the technical development. So, uh, depending on who we go with, actually, you know, the, the 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 direction of the technical development of this project may change either slightly or quite dramatically. So one of these uh, large uh, players has its own technology, both ex not extraction, but processing technology. The other one has a twist on our, our evaporation approach. So it really depends on what kind of financial terms they uh, they put on the table, the, how attractive they will be for us to actually go with one or the other. So it, it's a very, uh, I think, I would say very important stage in our development. Uh, whereas we have to make, I, I would say, decisions that will basically determine the, you know, uh, further development of this project um, for the next couple of years. So, uh, lots of questions there. Um, so, you, you it, this isn't just about money, it's a potential technical partner too, you, you're suggesting there, because you're talking Absolutely. about twists Absolutely. on evaporation uh, process. You're talking about them stepping, they're part of a battery chain. I, mean, I, I don't know, did you say they're two, two or yeah, more? Yeah, they're, they're both. There are more than two, but two, I would say, who have different... Uh, are more advanced. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm more advanced. Right. So um, if I if I think about that, so are they, do they have balance sheets to be able to kind of step in and become part of what you're doing at Millennial? Or are they going to have to go and raise money themselves? Uh, Matt, they both have balance sheets to do the project. In other words, to actually fund the uh, construction. But most importantly, I would say uh, they also have technical expertise to actually take this further. In other words, um, they have technical expertise and technical experience in producing lithium. Um, uh, maybe not directly one of them, but they still have access to that experience. And uh, the difference is again um, in, in, in technology, but both of them have um, experience actually producing at, at a significant scale using that particular technology. Uh, so that's very important and uh, because we don't want to be experiment for too long with something new, uh, unless obviously, you know, if, if it's an M&A and they want to do something, that's a different story. But we're talking, if we're still involved, want to have a technology that has been tested already somewhere at a, at a significant scale. And uh, both of these groups have, um, have done that. So that's why we're, we're looking at them and it's, it goes beyond financial, um, uh, you know, uh, investment because basically we're looking at not only building value today, in other words, not, not only just, receiving significant investment today, but also looking at the value that we can build in the next two or three years. As, you know, I, I, to make it simpler for people to understand, I always give a, an example of uh, Ganfeng and Lithium America's uh, partnership structure. It's not gonna be <clears throat> the same, obviously, where we're uh, you know, discussing a little bit different framework, but uh, within the same parameters, very similar in terms of their involvement, and very similar in terms of their commitment to take the project through construction all the way to uh, to production. So that's the idea. We think that that's another way for us to build significant value in the next couple of years, in addition to um, getting significant investment today. Okay, so you're, this isn't just a case of taking money. This is, both sides need to evaluate each other in a way, because they need to evaluate your project and you need to evaluate what they're suggesting technically and you need to believe that they can deliver that because it's about future value. Because otherwise you just, you know, it's it's potentially M&A and you just, you know, do a deal now and, and you guys check out. But I think that at this price, 
you're probably not you and your shareholders probably wouldn't be too happy to do that. So um, how long is this process going to take? I mean, what are we talking about? Well, we're quite advanced now, um, uh, Matt. So we're, we're, I mean, they're telling us by the end of the year and I'm, I'm an eternal skeptic. So, so I think probably uh, early next year. Um, we're at the stage where a lot of uh, details, a lot of nitty-gritty is being discussed. Um, so I think realistically, probably January, where we can actually finalize this. Um, and I think it's still pretty good for us because uh, you're absolutely right. We, the, the time works actually in our favor right now. We, we don't think this is the best time to strike an M&A deal, for example, today. Maybe in two, three months, maybe in a few months. Um, yes, the same thing goes for... Um, for strategic investment, because we want to obviously optimize our kind of uh, value both at this stage and down the road. And and you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head by saying that we're evaluating them too. So we don't want to get involved with a party that has uh, unproven technology, um, whereas we'll be basically stuck for years to come, and then we won't know how to unravel the whole uh, you know partnership at that point. So that that is a significant risk. We want to get involved with a party that has shown us that it works. Um, and both of these parties have actually, uh, but we also know that we can get to production faster. And there are also other some technical, as I said, they're, they're technical twists. Want to make sure that this will actually work in that particular environment. Uh, that you know certain things that they require will be available and so forth. So they're, they're, it's not just a pure, I would say, financial evaluation of uh, of their investment. It's also a technical evaluation, technical assessment of their capabilities. It's interesting, actually, when you mentioned earlier, and I wouldn't mind getting a bit of non, uh, a bit more information from you on it. You said that each brine has its own particular makeup, you know, different levels of impurities or you know, different chemical construction. The the partners that you're talking to need to engineer whatever it is that they're trying to do to this specific brine. So then, what are they? I know you've talked about okay, you know, brine versus hard rock. If they've picked brine as, as their preferred option for what are the, I'm trying to understand, what are the reasons why they pick brine over hard rock? Why Argentina over, I don't know, Australia, North America? You know, I, I get that you're significantly advanced and that suggests that they have a timeline that they're working to. Otherwise, they could go to lots of juniors who, you know, are less advanced than you guys. Can you give me a bit more color on what it is that they're looking for? Because you've kind of done those broad headlines and that's, that's fine. But can you just dig, dig into the weeds there for me? Yeah, yeah, sure, man. Look, I mean, the, the reason they're looking to brands, as you can already guess, is that their technology is specifically, you know, adapted or have been, uh, been, has been developed for for brine uh, uh, projects. In other words, the technologies I'm talking about, processing technologies, are not for hard rock. They're specifically for brine. So, um, so hence, you know, they, they kind of have been already looking at, at just at brines. Um, to start with, and then of course they start picking the various projects, looking at their, you know, uh, their cost structure, looking at the jurisdiction they're uh, located in, and so forth. So I would say the first, uh, I mean, the, the first reason that they, they came to us was that they they were focused on brands. And the second thing, if you compare, you know, if you look into brands, you would probably go into either uh, Chile and Argentina. In the worst case scenario, maybe Nevada and the U.S., but you know. They don't want to be in the U.S., so they, they were looking at Chile and Argentina. Chile, permitting-wise, is quite a challenging environment. Um, so, uh, so they kind of focused on and on Argentina. In Argentina, if you look at Argentina today, there are only probably two maybe advanced projects. Uh, you know, we're probably the most advanced in terms of completion of the feasibility. There's nobody else besides, obviously, like Lithium Americas, which is already in construction. 
Um, nobody else has actually uh, completed the feasibility study or gotten an EIA and so forth. So, so that kind of predetermined their approach uh, or their, their choice, I should say. And, um, um, and going forward again, you know, the, I'm just going back actually to your question and the, the work that they have to do, the, the, you know, in terms of actually seeing whether our bond will work with, with their process has already been completed. In other words, they, we've already shipped our brine to them. They have their own pilot plants in their respective countries. They've run it through it. So this is not something that we will be doing going forward. They've already done, obviously, on a smaller scale. I mean, they, you know, they, they didn't run, they didn't produce tons of uh, material, but they've already run our brine through their process and plants, and they have produced high-purity battery-grade materials. That's why they're interested. That's why, you know, we continue this discussion, obviously, with them. We're, we're at the point where we're discussing terms of this. At this stage. Right, right. So, that is, and again, it's just help people because it is kind of quite technical, kind of like uranium. It's a very technical uh, commodity. You need to have a team who know what they're doing, how to solve problems technically. It's not like sort of taking stuff out of the ground and, you know, uh, sticking it through a, a, a ball mill or something. So, the reason that these guys are coming in with to the scale that they are with you is that they can't do some sort of offtake and go, right, I'll take a bit of brine from you and a bit of brine from the next guy and a bit of it. It's, it's got to be, you know, they're all in because they're they've had to engineer their side of the of the process to your specific brine. Is that is that how it works? No, that, that's not necessarily how it works. It's just the uh, when they found our project, when they you know did their due diligence, said as part of that due diligence, hmm. uh, we shipped our brine to their um, uh, to their plants and they ran it through it, and it worked quite well. So they don't have any issues about our brine being you know. Um, uh, the, the appropriate brine for their plants. So in other words, they don't have to worry about that part. Um, I'm not obviously sure about other brines from other, uh, you know, brine projects being shipped to them or, you know, you know, being tested, et cetera. So that's a different question. Uh, I have no answer to that. I don't know. Uh, but they've done that with ours and it has worked. So for them to come in and actually build this project, obviously, is a lot easier now because they understand our brine chemistry quite well. Um, and uh, they don't see any technical issues. In other words, they, they see that this brine will, uh, you know, will work perfectly well with, uh, with their technology. So that, that's how it works. Um, I, they did not adapt their technology or their processing uh, approach to our brine. Um, we sent our brine and they just ran it through without any kind of twist to it. And it worked quite well. Okay, okay, understood. So why don't people like this just buy in the open market on spot? Um, that's a very good question. I mean, one of these groups has been buying in the open market. So uh, this is a relatively new decision for them <clears throat> to get involved uh, down uh, upstream. They, they want to basically have foothold in, in production, in a production facility, I should say, in a production uh, asset. Um, the other group is not a producer, is not a user, uh, but they want to be a large player and the in the lithium sector in general and specifically on the production side so these are uh, i would say strategic decisions on the part of these uh two large players um and and the third one too actually they they basically want to be in production they they don't want to just be buying I and mean, two out of three are not even end users of this product um so um so it's a different strategy altogether they believe that long term this is going to be one of the major industries Obviously, um, yeah, you know, in, in the EV and you know other other sectors, so they want to become a significant producer of lithium in the next five to ten years. 
Okay, and one final one, just on the state of the market. Obviously, it's been a fairly quiet year for lithium, apart from a little burst of energy from Tesla and Piedmont recently. But people are starting to notice lithium. We're getting a lot more requests into a few lithium companies. A lot of lithium companies are approaching us and want to come on the show, which you know, is all good stuff. But is it still a little bit early? Um, look, I mean, probably if you want to take a little bit of early, uh, you know, first mover risk, it's probably not too early, meaning that, you know, we've seen some movement, as you said, in the market this year already. Uh, stock prices have inched up as well, you know, Millennial and some other lithium uh, stocks as well. So we see some kind of a movement. Um, another very important indicator is, of course, the fact that the uh, lithium uh, uh, carbonate price itself has gone up a little bit, not significantly, but about by about five, seven percent. EV picture is intact. The, you know, the, the trend is still there. Actually, we, we're going to see even more um, uh, yeah, more uh, incentive programs being implemented and introduced throughout the world. Um, so those things are all there. But in terms of actual sustainable upward trend in the lithium price, I think it's a little bit early. Uh, I think it will take probably you know six to eight months before we can see some kind of a sustainable upward trend in terms of uh, the market's ability to actually absorb all this um, excess uh, supply that is still out there, especially coming from the um, uh, from the hard rock or from the you know uh, uh, from pegmatite uh, section uh, segment as well. So that will take some time, but I think there, there there's definitely there definitely some you know very positive signs coming out of China at least. You know the we've got a partner the, you know in, and a large investor in the company that actually is a large user of lithium. Um, batteries in, in China, so we get uh, kind of a first-hand information from them as well, and it looks like the situation is getting better. I wouldn't say again um, it's going to rise uh, dramatically in the next few months, but definitely uh, it looks like we're bottoming out at this point. So retail, if you're looking for leverage, now's the time. Do you think 2021 you'll see some more significant movement? I think so. I think uh, we'll probably turn the corner um, come first quarter. Um, definitely second quarter, um, because um, again, I mean, I'm also kind of connecting this with the situation with COVID as uh, the restrictions and lockdowns are lifted. Uh, people will go back to buy cars. And if last few months have been any indication of things to come, we'll see that, you know, they will be going for EVs. Um, so I think that we will come back. I don't obviously know at what pace will the, the whole market will come back, but it will be EVs taking over, um, you know, fossil fuel cars in the next, uh, even in the next few months. So I think that that will be another boost to uh, all these potential investors. I'm talking about large investors, of course, but I think you know the, the retail investors can obviously take advantage of that situation if they position themselves in the next few months as well, maybe between now and first quarter next year. Um, again, uh, it's a little bit different from the last run in lithium. Uh, uh, the last time, basically, you could throw money at anything that had lithium in the name of the company or, or the project, and you would do well. I think this is going to be a little bit different. People are going to be a lot more, um, you know, uh, picky about uh, what they invest in, and they should be. They will be looking at the fundamentals of the project. They will be looking at the stage at which they are, because we're still looking at the situation, Matt, where most advanced, low-cost structure projects have a chance, whereas a lot of other projects will still be um, languishing for quite a while. In other words, um, you know, there's there's always a the, 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 what we call the democle sword over everyone's head and, uh, from um, from hard rock producers in, in, in Australia. So we have to take that into consideration all the time. So um, so there's an in, invisible ceiling. Well, right now it's quite visible, but you know it's always there. So I think um, you know investors, both large and, and small, they got to be a little bit more um, 
you know, selected and what, what they choose to invest in. Okay. Farhad, thanks so much. Um, I thought was, I was only going to speak to you for five minutes about your press release, but uh, sounds like there's a lot going on and perhaps we should stay in touch and see how this financing goes and what you actually end up agreeing. Fascinating. Sure. Give us a call. Thanks a lot, will. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.